On this episode, we're talking about how to grow a side hustle when you have a regular 9 to 5 job that you love. My name is Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks. This is episode 110. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks, a weekly show where we explore all the ways that we can navigate the future of work, make smart career moves, and thrive in a changing world. In case you're new to the show, first of all, welcome. I am so glad that you found Second Breaks. Um, We've been exploring the topic of side hustles and side gigs, and this here is our third episode in the series. Now, on the show today is Melissa Emler, who works in the education industry in both her regular job and her side hustle. And right there, my friend, is a key to what's interesting about her side gig story. You see, Melissa loves her regular job. She loves the field of work. She loves the people who she serves. And because her side hustle is in the same industry, she gets to extend that passion while wearing a different hat. She gets to expand and fine-tune areas of her expertise while providing value in both her roles. In fact, to call one a regular job and the other a side hustle kind of misses the point somewhat because Melissa considers both of these things as her main thing. Like she says, it just depends on what time of day it is. So perhaps another way or a better way of looking at it is that her work is a whole with two equal parts. Personally, I took note of how Melissa created the opportunity for a side hustle by reaching out to a major influencer in her industry. She initiated a connection and proposed a role that didn't even exist. No matter your field of work or your plans for your next career move, I think that brilliant move by Melissa is applicable and is a key takeaway from this conversation. Now, before I introduce Melissa to you, just a brief word about secondbreaks.com, the home website of this podcast. So you're going to get show notes for all the episodes and transcripts, not to mention the full backlist of previous episodes when you go to the website. For example, if you want to, or if you're interested in the two previous episodes on the Side Hustle series, you can find that on the website secondbreaks.com. In addition, you will find other resources to help you with your career move. For example, there's a pivot guide that you can download. There's also a list of book recommendations from previous guests of the show. Now, one thing in particular that I want to call your attention to is the Second Breaks Weekly. This is a weekly newsletter with the latest strategies and key future of work insights to help you plan your career move and position yourself in a changing world of work. So I want to invite you to sign up for the Second Breaks Weekly when you visit secondbreaks.com. Okie dokie, now let's get on with the show. My friend, here's Melissa describing her regular job and her side hustle. I actually think of them both as my main thing. It's just that the time of the day that I do them is different. So my full-time job is working as the director of innovation at a regional service agency for educators. So I serve in my day job, I serve 31 school districts in Southwest Wisconsin, and I help them do everything from implementing the Department of Public Instruction Uh, initiatives to training their staff on uh, 
technology innovations or anything like that. And I also work significantly with leaders working on building out their systems to make room for initiatives, um, specifically universal design for learning and all things related to technology. And then in my other gig, uh, is I own a business with Will Richardson and Bruce Dixon called Modern Learners, and I serve educators around the world on really putting the focus back on learning. So the mission of the business is to change the experience of school for kids around the world by putting the focus back on learning. And so my modern learning work is a lot of um, work with the, with our team, which I do before I go to my day job and a lot of times after I get home. And then um, we serve people all over the globe. So we have a lot of, you know, I do a lot of meetings for my, uh, for modern learners between like four and nine o'clock at night. And I'm a mom too. And I'm a pretty busy mom. I went to like a softball or baseball game every single night of June and July. <laughs> So it's been pretty crazy, to be honest. Well, we're definitely going to talk about how you're balancing all that. But it seems, it sounds to me like you've been firmly in the education industry. Have you always been in that industry? Have you? Were you a teacher at one point? What was the sort of like the trajectory of that career? Yeah, so I was the teacher that was always the rebel, like. It didn't matter what I what I was doing. I always found a way to sort of just go against the norm a little bit. And it has to do with what I believe about learning. I really believe people construct their knowledge. So the theory of learning that I'm attuned to is, you know, constructionism. And so that that was instilled in me really early in my teaching career. And so I taught high school English and reading. And then I became um, a high school special education teacher. Uh, that was the best job I've ever had in regards to my own learning and my own um, learning how about learning and how people learn. Those the students that I had taught me so much. But I was also doing a lot of curriculum work and um, while I was a special ed teacher that led me into a principal position. And so then I became a principal for a couple of years and that was the hardest job I ever had, mostly because of the culture in which I was entering. So I did whatever I could to get out of there um, and then that's how I ended up at the regional service agency because working with teachers um, but without being their direct supervisor was always way more rewarding for me. Sometime in 2016, you joined Modern Learners, which is, I suppose, uh, a project that was started by a friend of yours or a colleague of yours. And then eventually you uh, you became an owner of that, uh, uh, of that uh, company as well. So can you take us back to... 2016, let's start there. Like, talk a little bit about why you decided to do that. What what made you want to do something else and decide, even though you had a full-time job already? So when I was in that principal position and when I actually left that principal position, I did a lot of grieving for deciding to leave that job because it was a job that I had wanted and strived for and did all of the preparation for that I possibly could have. And when I decided to leave, in my mind, I thought of it as a failure to some extent because I really wasn't ready to leave. And the work that was happening, was we were making some really good ground and we were doing some really good work. 
But you know that old saying where they say you don't really leave jobs, you leave bosses. And in my particular situation, I was definitely leaving my boss um, more than I was leaving the job. And so I was, I was grieving for that. And I was also hyper aware that a lot of the feelings that I was having was because I was a woman in educational leadership. And while the field is mostly comprised of women in classrooms, the leadership in education is, um, very much saturated by men. And so that year when I was working in my regional service agency, I just felt like I wanted to help other women in educational leadership. And so that became like my like side learning. Like I started to read a whole bunch of research about women in educational leadership, et cetera. And so I decided I wanted to do something for them. And I started to come across marketing people online and I started to listen to marketing podcasts about specifically membership sites and whatnot. And so I joined B-School, Marie Forleo's B-School in 2016. And um, I was a really good B-School student because I followed the modules exactly. Like every week I would go through the modules and I would be planning out whatever this was I was going to be building. And um, at one point I um, decided to call and do some research with um, Will, who is now my business partner, Because Will and Bruce had had a membership site for educational leaders that um, the content and the work I completely identified with, like 100%. But I wanted to know what happened to the membership site. Like, where did it go? What happened to it? And so I reached out via email and asked him about it and explained that I was really working on starting something for women in educational leadership. And I was thinking about a membership, but I really had a lot of respect for them. And I wanted to know what happened with the membership. And so he came back to me and he said, basically, it was the marketing. We just really didn't have the bandwidth because we're really more content people. And so we just really didn't know how to get the word out. And I'm looking at him. They have Twitter followers up the yin yang. They have, like, they just have, like, so many followers. They have such an audience that I was not really understanding why they um, didn't feel like they had the marketing. So I was like, okay, thanks, blah, blah, blah. And then five minutes later, I sent him an email back and I said, wait a minute. (laughs) I think I can help you (laughs) with the marketing. And I wanted a place to sort of test what I was learning in B-School. And so that's how it started. I said, I think I can help you. And so my goal was, you know, to to help them with their work because I think it needed to be shared with the world. Um, And then I did that. And then I just couldn't leave (laughs) because I was so vested in the work that they were doing, that we were doing. And and really, they re- they appreciated me and they respected me. And I brought, I mean, we developed and sold a product early in 2017 um, that really, really did well. And so at that point, I was on an interesting business model with them. I was on a revenue share. And had we continued that, I would have broke the business that I helped to build. And so I essentially bought into the business, um, basically with sweat equity. Um, and that's, you know, my husband will be like, what the heck? You're doing all this work for free. Uh, well, I did do it for free, essentially, because I gave all my money back to them. But it was a really good move for me um, in the long term, because it wasn't a lot of risk, except my time and energy. So I didn't have a lot of financial risk in it, which um, is was reassuring. So that's how it got started. And, and back to, to just close the loop on the grieving for the job that I lost. 
um, and, and serving women in educational leadership. Um, my, my voice in Modern Learners is really important because I am a woman and it is helping to attract women in educational leadership to the space. It's my way of doing, meeting that goal um, and supporting women, but doing it still in a broader sense of supporting the field. So first and foremost, your the names of your business partners again, I forget. Uh, was Will it? and Bruce. Will and Bruce. Will. So you knew them before, like you're like you had a prior relationship with them. It wasn't like a brand new thing that when you approached them. So they are they're very well known in our field. And Will has been speaking on stages as a keynote speaker um, since uh, like 2008. And I was an English teacher and he was an English teacher as well. And so when he started to document everything that he did online, I followed him. So I've been, I have had an online understanding of who he was since 2004. And I've seen him speak several times since then. Bruce, we refer to him as the godfather of one-to-one laptop computing in schools because he um, was instrumental starting um, in starting that movement across the world. So they are very renowned. I met them at a conference that I went to. And so Will actually sat at the table with me. So we just talked and um, really connected. And so, you know, we had maintained that in Twitter or whatnot. And so I didn't feel uncomfortable reaching out. Um, Yeah, because what I found interesting there is that um, this is your first foray into this space, right? And you reached out cold, it sounded like. To them, you, they weren't necessarily asking you to help them. You were the one who said, you know, why did, why did you stop doing this? And uh, maybe I can help you. Yeah, very much that way, for sure. And it, and it was, it was just on a whim. Um, you know, I'm familiar with B-School as well, and it's quite uh, an investment in time and money. And so for the listeners of the podcast who are not familiar uh, with B-School, it's very much a, you know, uh, I think it's a six months or a, I forget now the, the term. There's six modules. Yeah, six modules, basically. But it's for, for, for folks who are looking to build a business or in the very beginning stages. And so that makes me think that you were intending to build a business somehow. Yes, I had ventured into, you know, I was the Mary Kay lady in college. Um, <laughs> so I had understood that there was something in me that wanted to have my own business, some flexibility. And being a principal, I spent hours and hours and hours in that job. And so I think there was a part of me that was like, you know, I can be a leader and still have a lot of flexibility if I set myself up for that. So there was all these things that were definitely started because of my principal position. And this is going to sound a little dramatic, but it was pretty trauma. It was trauma inducing. Um, In retrospect, I can say that when I was living in it in the moment, I did not feel that way. But looking back, certainly there were good things and I learned great things and we accomplished many, many things, but it was trauma inducing for me. And so I definitely was seeking to um, not have to have a boss, not because I didn't don't think I can follow rules or order or take direction or anything like that. I just felt trapped on a lot. Um, and so I, that's, it was a little bit of trying to rectify that. Um, and, and I really did want to serve other women in educational leadership because my story is just one of many, many that are not pleasant. The way that you 
dipped your toes into it, I thought was very smart because you were very um, targeted with your you know, where you were going to start dipping your toes. And it was to help people who are already in the space that you wanted to eventually build your business in. And then um, at that, I guess initially you were, it was a paid gig. Yeah, it was a revenue share. It was the scariest, dumbest thing I think I've ever done. Uh, they basically gave me a little bit of money to sort of start working with them for three months. I thought we'd have a product on the market in three months and I was getting a percentage of revenue. Knowing who they are, I wasn't worried about the revenue. I knew that would come in. It was what I learned later, it was getting a product to market with them was challenging because they have such high standards and and they weren't exactly sure what it was to, was going to look like. And so that took longer. And so basically, I did literally work for three months without anything. And then um, I was like, we have to have a product out by this day or I can't continue to do this for no money. And so it, I I'm a strong advocate for myself. I know what I'm capable of and I know what I um, want. So it's an interesting part of the story is when I was pitching to support them with marketing, I pitched them basically a contracted price. Like I would do what they needed for 12 months for X amount of dollars. And Bruce was appalled by the number. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's just crazy. Too low or too high? Yeah, he thought it was really high. He thought it was really, really hot. And I was like, and I thought about it and I'm like, you know, and I know what I'm, I know what my skills are worth. You know, I have negotiated my salaries in lots of places. So I was like, okay, well, I'm interested in whatever. So that's how the revenue share came up. And then a year later, they had paid me $5,000 more than my initial, uh, my initial contract proposal. Uh, and so I, we laugh about that quite significantly now. <laughs> And um, tell me again, from the point that you started that to the point when you actually bought in and became a, a, a partner to the business, how long did it did that take? About yeah. a couple years, was it? Yeah. So we, I started working with them in June of 2016. And um, I bought in with my sweat equity, basically the revenue share they had had at the end of 2017. They paid me and then I paid them right back at the beginning of 2018. That's um, when I was a partner. So let's peel back the curtain a little bit with respect to sort of like your decision making process because you have a full time job that um, I believe you love, and then you're you're jumping into this thing now, even back in 2016, which is going to require some bit of your time. So what were you thinking in terms of like how am I going to balance my time, my energy? How am I going to do everything? My husband will tell you that if it wasn't Modern Learners, it would be something else. I don't actually talk about being time crunched or busy or anything like I'm very intentional with how I spend my time but if my friend calls and says do you want to go to lunch I'm like racing out of the driveway to go to lunch with my friend like I that to me is you know important and things can move around for that and I don't miss my kids sporting events because I account for them in the work that I do um and so then I it's manageable to like put things where they need to go um, and then in terms of evening, I don't, I'm not a TV watcher. So if I have to come in and do a coaching call for an hour in my office, my family doesn't actually know that, but I never schedule things when they have things going on. So we just, I'm just not a time. I don't worry about time as much. I just really believe in being present. I'm not always great at that, by the way. I'm not always great at being present, but I'm, 
very conscious of not complaining about being busy because I fully recognize I bring that on myself. Right, right. <laughs> so I would imagine that the work that you do for the reg- regional service center is, is work that you have to be physically present. Like you have oh, to yeah, go no. to the location. That's evolving. We do have an office and we do um, have people into our office. So we do trainings and things like that at our physical location. But in serving 31 schools, I might have to go to the the different schools um, about half of the time. But then the other half of the time, we're actually on Zoom. Um, we do a lot of video conferencing as well. So, yeah, no, like I have 100% flexibility in my day job too. So I just, it just all has to ebb and flow. And my boss at my day job is um, very much okay with the ebb and flow. And just starting in this particular contract year, I'm getting a a significant number of days for marketing for our agency as well. So these skills that I've learned in my own business are now starting to um, support my day job. And so for a long time, I felt like I needed to sort of hide my day, my, my business. I felt like I couldn't be like fully open about it. And in reality, every time we would have a conversation in our agency about how do we message this or how do we get this information out to people? How do we get more people to come to this training? It was all the skills that I was learning in my business that was impacting the conversation in my day job. So actually, um, there's a a tremendous amount of ebb and flow in both my day job and my business benefit each other. So when one of your questions you asked me was, you know, do I think about leaving my day job? Oh, I think about it, but it's just not like I can't even imagine it <laughs> because I love the work. I love the people I serve. I feel like it helps me stay relevant and it helps me stay um, grounded in my local community, which is really important to me. So it's just this really bizarre, I love both feeling. Fantastic. So I have a, I have a friend, actually a good friend of mine who's a teacher and she is also wanting to build something on the side, like a side gig or side hustle. And in her particular case, and I don't know enough of the, of the industry, uh, she was, um, she's a bit hesitant to disclose or to tell them that she's starting this other business. Now, in her particular case, the other business that she's starting has nothing to do with, with teaching or education, not like, you know, in your case, there's a, there is, um, symbiosis, but in her case, a totally different space. Um, not even, there's not even a, a slight overlap. Um, but she's been hesitant to disclose. And I was just wondering your experience in terms of, I think you were, you, you start, you eventually you became open or you disclosed that you had started this modern learners. And I was just wondering if you would share sort of like your experience and how it was received or how you went about disclosing it to your employer. I think that I I fully understand what she's experiencing. And to be honest, that was a really big deal for me. Um, And to be honest, being in both worlds uh, silenced me in a lot of ways. And when I say that, um, I mean like my social presence, you know, building your own personal brand was very complicated <laughs> because, so I went real quiet. Um, and I'm really outspoken in a lot of ways. And I, I offer a lot of value just in, you know, how I think um, when I, when I am vocal on social. And to be honest, this is something I'm still very much working through. But for me, it was, subtly 
in, in my situation, the, I was in the same field. And while I feel very distinctly, I was doing distinctly different work in both of those places, I was serving the same field. Um, and so that's, that's an interesting balance. But I think what happened was I started to recognize that I was offering a lot of value in both places. And my day job was not suffering because of my business. And my business was not suffering because of my day job. Um, so, um, but rectifying it really came down to having a conversation with um, somebody that I really trusted at my day job and just saying, look, this is how I feel. I feel like I'm adding all this value to this organization because of what I do there, but I feel like I'm not supposed to talk about that. And actually that's when my boss said, actually, why don't you just do what you do for your business here? Um, and it was a really great thing. And so one of the best things that ever happened that came out of that conversation was, um, I ended up getting to hire a student intern. She's a junior studying marketing and communications at a local university. And she is essentially my assistant. And what we do is we block time for her for when she's working to support me in the business and when she's working to support our agency with marketing. And so she gets a paycheck from my agency and she gets a paycheck from my business, but she has one manager, me. And I love that girl. Um, she's, she's learning a lot and I'm starting to recognize all of the things that I do that can, I can teach people. And it's been, it's been amazing. Uh, so systems that I have in place for my business are now starting to be systems I put in place at the agency. And so she's learned them in the business. So now the implementation for the agency is faster and um, similar. And so it's been a really great learning experience for her because she can see how a system can re really be transferable. And so what do you think helps you the most? Like what helps you the most in terms of managing both or wearing two hats? I think it's that I love my field, the field of learning and education. And I, I love it. So it doesn't feel like work to me in either place. Um, and I think what's allowed me to be able to do both is the challenge. So there's a lot of challenge in both places. Um, and when there's challenge in one, there seems to be um, systems and habits and you know procedures in the other. And so that sort of ebb and flows as well. Um, the other thing that has made all of this possible is 100% flexibility. I am 100% in control of my time. My day job, my boss at my day job trusts me um, and I continue to produce, which is evidenced by the State Department buying more of my days that are valuable. Um, so people don't like to give give days up of me. Um, but, you know, if I wasn't continuing to produce at my day job, I think it would be different. But because I'm continuing to produce, I continue to have the flexibility that I need in order to do both things. Now, I don't know how long I'll do both things because I actually believe in creating sustainable systems and sustainable leadership. So I, I need to be cognizant of who will follow me in my agency um, and how will that, how will me leaving impact the agency if, and when it ever happens. Um, it's just making sure that the systems are in place so that the person following me, or even if, 
they hire for two different functions that the systems are documented so that the next person can be successful. And at the same time, modern learners are still working on being sustainable. Um, you know, if, if it could sustain me as in a leadership role with an appropriate salary, I'm, I might be already there, but I'm, we're also very cognizant of working on the business, not in the business. And so right now there's not a lot of extra revenue, um, to just, to just, to share among owners. So, um, it's certainly not getting, I'm certainly not getting rich, um, but I'm certainly having an impact. Is what right. I like to right. Think. Well, I, so. what I, I thought was fantastic about that is that even though you say eventually maybe, you know, you, you, it, it may become your full-time thing, but because you love the field, you love your job, there is no sense of urgency um, to to um, to get there. And so everything is very balanced and, and not frantically getting to a point before you're ready to get there, right? Because sometimes that is when, when someone is uh, hating where they are and just cannot wait to get out of it into this new space, there's this, there's a frantic energy that accompanies that. I do not feel that at all, (laughs) but I understand it, but I don't feel that. I felt that when I was leaving my principal position, I felt like I had to get the heck out of there. Um, and my sustainability notes that I left was like a two page Google doc. And that was it. (laughs) There was not sustainability systems put in place. I just needed to get the heck out of there. And now I'm very conscious of sustainability systems and documenting processes. Do you have one or two books that have made an impact on you, your career or your transition, uh, overall and that you wouldn't mind sharing? So I'm a bookworm too. And so this is definitely not like my favorite, but it's one that is weighing on my mind significantly right now. And it's White Fragility um, by Robin. I can't, I don't have it right in front of me, but by Robin, somebody, the book is fascinating and disturbing and all of the things that I needed. Um, So the reason that it stands out so much is because in my day job, the State Department of Public Instruction is really focused on equity and making sure that our system is equitable for um, our Black students and our students of color. And we, while this is our focus, I still have some significant concerns about the fact that we create the gaps we're trying to close uh, with our system, uh, the inequitable system that we have. Uh, But then also, we're building a community at Modern Learners. And right now, our community is very white. We're global, so we're very diverse. Um, We have several people from around the world in our community, but we're very white. And so we have have a conscious effort to build our community of people of color within our community, because we just know that that's important to being the best community that we can and to be to serve as a resource for as many people as possible. So we want everybody to be able to see themselves in our community. And right now, that's just not real. And so that book gave us um, some really interesting perspectives and we had some internal conversations about it. We're reading it both in my business life and in my day job life. And so (laughs) um, the work again is the same, but it was really a great book and I would encourage everyone to read it. Although I have read some criticism or not criticism, but I have read that it's specifically important for white people to read, but it can be potentially trauma inducing for people of color to read it with white people. 
So that would be my only caution. And as a white woman, I would definitely think it's necessary reading for all of us. Um, but I'm cognizant of needing that facilitation if you read it in a group with people of color. It certainly it sounds like it's a timely thing that we need to be reading, right? It's a subject that's very timely. So I will definitely put a link to that on the show notes. And speaking of links, uh, where can... Um, where can people find you online or modern learners or you personally, where can we find you online? Um, we host our community at modernlearners.community and you can read some of our work, um, our blogs. We put out a blog twice a month and we podcast weekly um, at modernlearners.com. Everything is there. Uh, my day job, that stuff is not necessarily relevant to anyone unless they're working with me in the region. So that's <laughs> right, right. Um, and I'm Melissa Emler everywhere on social. So Twitter, Instagram, I'm just at Melissa Emler, and I'd be happy to connect with anyone. Cool beans. One last thing. You mentioned podcasts. So uh, Modern Learners has a podcast. What What is it yeah. called? Modern Learners. Ah. <laughs> Easy enough. <laughs> we're to Modern Learners. Yes. <laughs> yes, actually, we're working on potential rebrand of that at some point. But right now, it's Modern Learners, and it's really high-level conversations about learning in schools. And so anybody in, anybody who's a parent would probably benefit and also school leadership and business leaders can really get a different insight on school um, through our podcast. Very right. high level conversation. Yeah, this has been great conversation with us. Thank you so much for sharing your insights or experiences. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am a podcaster at heart too. So I love to support podcasters as well. So Yay! happy evening, everyone. <laughs> I hope you found this episode useful for the show notes, all the links, and the highlights of my conversation with Melissa Emler. Head on over to secondbreaks.com forward slash podcasts. And for the full Second Breaks experience, sign up for the Second Breaks Weekly to get tips, trends, and insights that will help you with your career move. Next week, my guest is internet marketer John Lagudakis, who stumbled upon affiliate marketing while he had an IT support role. He played with it on the side for a while, saw the opportunity and the flexibility that it provided him, which was important for John given his growing family. You'll get to hear what helped him grow that side hustle on the next episode. The key to not missing that episode with John and the rest of the Side Hustle series is to hit that subscribe button on whatever app it is that you're using right now to listen to this podcast. Or if you happen to be listening to this on the website, just below the audio player, you're going to find several options for other podcast apps. One last thing, if you like listening to the podcast and find it useful, please share and tell your friends about it. I would appreciate it so much if you would help me spread the word about the podcast. Okie dokie, I will be back next week with John and his side hustle story. Until then, keep on making your demo friend. Cool beans. <laughs>